0: Hello, this is Rabbi Jeff Sachs of Atid with another episode of our Jewish Educators Book Club. We are talking this time with Rabbi Dr. Shalom Berger, who was a co-author of a book that I'm guessing most of our readers have encountered by the time you're listening to this, if you haven't yet read it already. The book is called Flipping Out, question mark, Myth or fact? The impact of the year in Israel. It is published or co-published by Yeshar Books of New York, together with Yeshiva University. Uh, the book, of course, is available in all fine Jewish bookstores and online from Yeshar Books or from Amazon.com. And it's uh, it is uh, it is a noteworthy book. It is uh, worth uh, reading, worth perusing. For uh, for our audience uh, who are uh, Jewish educators, and I think all Jewish educators today are certainly interested in and um, and and aware of and and admire uh, the value and value the important work of um, the year in Israel. You know what's colloquially called the year in Israel. I mean, I, I maintain that's a, a misnomer. Um, but the experience of, uh, of students, modern Orthodox students from the United States, from elsewhere in the Anglo-Saxon world or the world at large, coming to Israel, studying in Yeshivot or Midrashot for an academic year, having a very intense experience and that this has a, a positive effect. Um, uh, the book contains three different essays by Shalom Berger, Daniel Jacobson, and Chaim Waxman. Uh, Schellenberger, why don't you just kind of pay, paint paint a map for us, draw a map for us of, of what the book covers and what your co-authors have done, and, and then we'll talk a little more about your contribution. Okay. Uh, thank you, Jeff.
1: Um, well, what the book tries to do, the book, uh, ideally I think I would have preferred it if, the, uh, if as co-authors, we would have... Work together on this. Um, What you have here are actually three separate essays. Uh, Mine and Dan Jacobson's are based on our doctoral uh, research, on doctoral studies, uh, and Chaim Waxman uh, offers a presentation as a sociologist and observer of the American Jewish community. Um, I think what Jeff said is true. My study uh, tried to Quantify some of the things that Jewish educators know about uh, powerful, all-encompassing um, experiences. If you send a kid to a to a setting where 24/7 they are going to be exposed to uh, certain ideas, it's a total experience. Um, uh, one could imagine that that's going to impact on on such a student. And in fact, my findings were that they do. Uh, it, on some level, that's not a surprise. If we didn't think that anything was going on, we wouldn't send our kids to, uh, to, to these kinds of programs. Um, and uh, many of the things that uh, certainly on Sheikh Yenuch, the Jewish educators are looking for in the course of the year, are things that I find happen. Do the students become more committed to uh to Torah and Mitzvot? Um, yes, they do. Do they more become more committed to to, uh, to Jewish scholarship, to, to Torah study, um, without question? Uh, do they become more committed to Israel in various kinds of ways? Uh, yes, um, and these were all, all things that uh, that if, uh, for a person who who sent their child to study in a in a what's say, let's say a modern Orthodox day school that has the values of of Torah, mitzvot, and and the eretz Israel, or Medinat Yisrael, Israel, so that's why you're sending your kid to Israel. And we anecdotally knew that that was what, what, what that that happened. And um, uh, it does. In fact, it does. Uh, Dad Jacobson takes up a point as a, as a psychologist, a point that has um, uh, is probably the the place that the title of the book fits in best. Uh, the uh, uh, you know, kids flip out? So I guess we have to define our terms. Do kids begin to reject the, some of the, the values that, the, that they found in the communities in which they grew up, or perhaps even in their own homes, and choose to uh, uh, make a break with those values and, uh, uh, in fact, take on new and different ideas and values? Uh, that's something that there's been a lot of talk about lately. And um, he, what he does is he goes and he actually interviews students. Not that's not so much a research study as is uh, what I understand is fairly, fairly typical for doctoral studies in psychology. He took a small number of students, and he only boys, only boys. But I, 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 my, my questionnaires uh, and my interviews were both for men and for women. He interviewed young men and he asked them about how they felt their year affected their relationship with their parents and their siblings and their friends back home who perhaps didn't do these kind of things. Um, he asks them about um, how this affects their relationship with the, com- with, the with their communities. Um, do they still share the values of their communities? Um, these are the questions that interest him and. Um, um, and that he tries to uh, to respond to uh, a real concern. And I have to say that that uh, after the book was published, so then I became a famous author. And I was uh, not only was I uh, asked to uh, to speak here to uh, on, on this podcast, but uh, I, I've been I've spoken in a number of communities and it is a real concern Uh, and time and again there are parents who come to me who step up afterwards or raise their hands during the presentation and talk about their own child who perhaps chose to stay in Israel and do the army which they hadn't anticipated their son doing or or made a different decision about college. (laughs) These things certainly do happen. uh, Chaim Waxman, uh, who I have to say was mentored me in my doctorate, is uh, a, a well-known figure in, uh, in sociology, and specifically in the sociology of the American Jewish community. And he offers more of a general perspective on how these programs started. Uh, he, in fact, dedicates his, uh, his uh, third of the book to uh, Rabbi Tzvi Tabori, who, uh, who he credits with having started, had started starting the started these programs with with his work in the uh, in the World Zionist Organization. Although he goes back even before that and talks about uh, American students who uh, who came to Israel when it was yet Palestine. Even um, uh, there, certain, uh, uh, something that that for centuries was not a possibility. Um, in the 20th century, became a possibility. All of a sudden, uh, all those marot, davar Israel Machim, that the very, um, very atmosphere. atmosphere of Israel will, will, will affect them with regard to their to their limud Torah um, uh, played out in in the real world. And uh, students began coming. Um, although it wasn't until the 1960s that it really became something of a certainly after the Six Day War, right right um, uh, I and, I think Tabori's was, uh, role was even beforehand yeah, but, but as far as a, right as far as it's snowballing even even after it, it didn't become dinnergur until, until the age of the 80s right uh, so he he that that offers some insight into uh, how this affects uh, the the Jewish community in the United States um, in a nutshell that's that that's the the uh, the, the different areas that um, my colleagues and I have uh, examined in this yeah. book. Uh,
0: well, one of Chaim one of Waxman's points, um, which he makes here, which he makes actually in a number of things he's been writing and publishing in the past number of years, is that what we've seen in American Orthodoxy or in American modern Orthodoxy is not so much what he calls Haredizatia, becoming Haredi, becoming right-wing, ultra-Orthodox, but Humerizatia, becoming uh, more machmir becoming more stringent uh, about observance perhaps uh, you know uh, some wrote some stringencies that you know we might agree are, uh, are above and beyond the call of duty and others which are really in fact merely um, closing some breaches in the wall of things of practices which were probably never legitimate uh, according to any mainstream definition of <laughs> the halakha um, and uh, although sometimes it's accompanied by a change in uh, a change in the color shirt you wear or your headgear, um, on the larger ideological picture, it's more a question of stringency and not a question of um, you know marching an ideological lockstep with with the right wing. Um, I think that that has to do
1: at least partially with differences between America and Israel. Right. Um, in in People in America think that they are Haredim. And here, of course, the problem is, is defining these terms. We've all, we've all um, as someone who perceives myself as being you know, modern Orthodox, I just woke up one day and discovered that really I was centrist Orthodox. <laughs> uh, so uh, pu- putting labels on things is, is, is difficult because the label might, jargon might mean something different to me than it does to you. Um, there are very few Charedim in America. Israeli Haredim, um, by definition, um, reject, for example, higher education. education. That, that, let's take that as a example. Even advantage. as a utilitarian goal. Correct. Uh, just now, for people who are who are up on on the goings on in, in Israeli politics. So one of the, the one of the things that was in the paper last week was. Um, that that uh, because of the weakness of these Israeli the government so in order to keep uh, shots in in uh, in uh, the Emotion. government they uh, the government agreed to allow schools haredi schools basically not to teach yes, any secular yes, yes. studies um, i think for the vast majority we're talking about about you know almost almost everyone in in, in the United States. Even if you are in the Yeshiva community, the assumption is that you learn such things as reading and writing and arithmetic. Um, uh, So... uh, I mean, if that's true even in Lakewood, probably even in New Square. uh, Yes, uh, certainly Chaim Lachman knows more more about the details of these things than I do. But a lot of that so when when Americans say, "Oh, my child is becoming Haredi, very often what they mean is my co- child is becoming what I would guess I would call, sure. her. Yeah. And then the question becomes, okay, well, will the child, will your child still go and get a a a, a, a high, will your child yeah, still go to college? college? Will he does he still plan to work for a living? Right. And the answer to those things usually is yes, uh, although for many parents that's not enough. Uh, the anticipation wasn't that my child was going to go out and become a computer programmer and okay. uh, and and uh, and learn learn part day and work part day. The assumption is that my child was going to go and, and to an Ivy League college and get a doctorate and uh, and, uh, and live in a very big house and own a very large car. Yes. Okay. So uh, there's some of, there's some of that going on. Uh, without question, uh, some of the expectations um a change and the question is is that does it, and here we have to define our terms has such a child flipped out um, the child when when a parent chooses to send their child to jewish to 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 an orthodox jewish day school so what values do they expect the their child to get in the day school uh, this is something that um, uh, a book with a similar title uh, that um, that Sam Heilman was um, right. sliding to the right he points to a number of different things that um, that he perceives as being the cause of this anecdotal slide to the right that, that sociologists and others have noted and some of them have to do with education um, one of them is purely a sociological thing that uh, he argues that since the American community at large not the Jewish community has moved left, moved left, I don't know, left and right, um, has become um, less traditional with regard to such issues of, uh, for example, the Tzni'ut. So there's been a reaction among the the or, um, among Orthodox Jews to move right. But his other points really are about education, um, that the success of the day school movement, right, where all the... The baseball movement is great, right? We have all these, these tens and not hundreds of thousands of children who are in settings where they' they're receiving they're a, fine a fine Jewish education and that's wonderful. Um, he argues that um, that has two things go on. One is that that has moved us away from parents taking to feeling that they ha- have to be in charge of their children's education. Um, and they've left it to, instead, the school teachers. And secondly, the school teachers, by and large, the core of people that are teaching, are, are oftentimes, those people who choose to devote their lives to this are oftentimes um, to the right not religiously, they're
0: more passionate but That's the problem. Uh, um, to, to focus on, on uh, questions that might be more interesting for, uh, that might be additionally interesting <laughs> to for, for our listeners, um, the question of the uh, the relationship between uh, the important, the heroic work that educators in America do for the first 12, 13 plus years um, in the day schools, in the elementary schools and high schools, and the work that, teachers do here, sometimes for ten months.
1: We talk, about that, yes. we talk about the year in Israel, but
0: really the year in Israel is really only ten months long, and you take off a, a month for Sukkot so and take off a month for Pesach, and you... Know, um, and the, the couple of weeks that the parents come to yes, visit. Yes, yes. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, you're, even before your research, you know, we knew that the year in Israel is a very impactful, and it's a very transformative experience, and, and people become more mature and they become more serious and they immerse themselves in learning and they, you know, all of the, all of the denominators that you point to in all of the statistics in terms of uh, commitment to uh, commitment to Torah and mitzvot and learning and um, this may create or probably does in fact create some type of tension, uh, actually, Yitzhi Blau, our, our friend and colleague, uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Blau, wrote a, an opinion piece on, uh, on the IT website a, a couple of years ago. I think it was entitled Averly Young, uh, about these, because he had spent many years as a teacher in Yeshiva Flatbush, and then he came and became a teacher here in Israel, and that gave him, I guess, like many of us who, who had done similar mm-hmm. things. Um, and he, he felt that, you know, that he he felt this, this tension now from both sides between between the two between the two schools. So I'm wondering if, if you have any thoughts on, you know, on the dynamic of, of what goes on in the experience between the two.
1: Well, many years ago, I when I went, when I was still a um, a teacher in the states, I sat in a meeting with other high school teachers and, and administrators, and one of the issues that was raised was, okay, how come Israel Transforms our children, and we can't do that. And there was a discussion about um, about uh, perhaps adding certain kinds of experiential things in in high schools in America. Uh, things that probably go on today. Uh, today uh, there are um, people whose whose actual responsibilities in schools is, um, I guess, what we would call. Um, uh, You know, they're in charge of the Shabbatonim and the extracurricular student activity. Uh, There are people who, who, um, perhaps, that will do it. Um, uh, Let's think about the affective. Can we change davening so that it is more meaningful to them? Um, and, And these kind of issues were raised. And at some point, I don't remember if it was me or somebody else. Somebody said, "Well, you know, maybe just the setting is so different that." We're not going to be able to do those things here. They're going to be able to do them in Israel. We're not going to be able to do them. And someone um, who was um, a prominent Jewish Ish-Chinuch in America said, You're telling me I'm a Shomer Kishuim? What? I'm just guarding the, the uh, cucumber patch right. and somebody else is going to harvest it? Now the truth of the matter is that that might be true. But you need a good Shomer Kishuim in order for the, those, those um, uh, cucumbers to sprout at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, it is li- as frustrating as this might be. The fact of the matter is that as long as you don't have um, uh, a, uh, a community that is closed, as long as students are going to go back to their television sets and their game boys and their um, um computer and, and their their streamed movies on, on computers um the likelihood is that it's going to be very difficult to, to to impact on students the way it happens in Israel which of course is going to lead to your next question Yes. Okay. which is that today in Israel that's not true either um uh, which is, of course, um, a, a different discussion of, well, is the Israel experience today, how different is it in it, the experience? fact in fact, an Israel experience? Um, I was involved in an ATID project. Yes, with Dr. Dodi Tobin. With Dr. Dodie Tobin. from um, our website. Um, and the interesting about that particular project was that... W- And once we, we, as we sat down together and began to discuss the research that she was going to do on Israel programs, so she had decided that she was going to do a study on cell phone use in um, in one year Israel programs. This was, I know, it seems like a long time ago. This was in the days that cell phones were just coming out and they were very large (laughs) and obvious. And um, it was it was about the year 2000, which is I significant so. here, because uh, she began I to thought. go around. Correct. She began to go around. This is before Rosh Hashanah, a little time. She began to go around for the different programs and asked them what's their policy. And there were several places that say we don't allow our students to have cell phones. We want them to have the. We don't want them to be able to speak to their parents three times a day. We don't think it's good for them. And then the Intifada came. And Every single yeshiva program changed its tune, and all of a sudden... Yeah.
0: It became very useful for everybody to have a cell phone. Be it became
1: essential. They told parents, "Don't you don't have to worry about your kid, but because three you can be with incident, them. We're, we're able to track down every single kid, and we can let you know exactly what's happened. You'll
0: know your child is safe. But, be, but beyond, beyond that, beyond the question of, uh, you know... Uh, oh so many years ago when when I was a student in Shiva <laughs> and oh so many years, even before that, when you were a student in, uh, in, uh, in, in yes. Shiva, um, you know, you, you called home, you, you had a, you, you, you put your ass on on the phone, you called the international operator, they'd maybe call you back, they'd patch the call through, you called home once every other week, once a month, you wrote letters on aerograms that would take, <laughs> who knows, they'd be <laughs> mail bags to America. Um, right. But, uh, but the, um, the experience was not merely that you were really to a much different way cut off from everything you left behind in America. But when you were here, you were much more immersed in an Israeli experience. Uh, m- many of the programs, perhaps most of the programs, uh, there were, of course, very few of them. Then were American programs in a larger Israeli institution. And today we see probably the majority of options that students have are freestanding American programs where there are no Israelis, and a student could literally go the whole year without speaking word of Hebrew, without speaking or oh, a, of or a word, of word of modern Hebrew. Hebrew. Okay, <laughs> word of modern Hebrew. Um, and uh, I, I once thought that, like you know, it's ironic kids come to Israel for the year, where do they eat? They eat in Burger King and Kentucky Fried Chicken (laughs) and, you know, uh, kosher McDonald's. Um, In America, where do they eat? In Jerusalem Pizza. (laughs) Their their experience in Israel is more American than their life in America. And um, all their news, all their news is consumed from, you know, it's, it's all online. So they're, are, without, without question, what you're saying is, is, is true? I mean, just to demonstrate it, just to demonstrate the point, um, a, uh, a few months ago, I was giving a lift on a let's say Shabbat to a student uh, that had come to our house for Shabbat studying in Yeshiva in, in, in Jerusalem. I was driving him back. I live in, as do you, I live in Gush Etzion, And at the checkpoint... Uh, before you go into the tunnels between Etzion and Jerusalem, we pass uh, the Geder Hafrada, the separation wall, uh, between We call it a fence. We call it a fence. Uh, although at the at the point that we were driving, uh, you know, it actually is in fact a <laughs> very yeah, large a, wall. a very large wall. And the student asked me, Oh, what's that? So I said, That's the Geder Hafrada. that's the separation fence or wall. He said, Separation between what and what? <laughs> So the degree to which you can really be uh, disconnected from everything that's going around you while you are, of course, thankfully immersed in the um is 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 pronounced in a way which it wasn't even ten years ago. Balachas Kama Vakama, people that came in.
1: What you're saying what you're saying is certainly true. Um Anyone listening wants to meet up. With, wants to fund another study. I'd be happy to. Uh, I'll be happy to to see how it is today. And I'm, I'm every so often I think about uh, follow up to the study that I did, which is already um, uh, some quite a, enough years ago that one can assume that things aren't exactly as they were then. Uh, what you're pointing out though isn't really unique to Israel. What you're saying is that kids today are different than they were even 10 years ago. And this is true here in Israel. The world. Uh, Once upon a time, the world moved slowly. It doesn't move slowly anymore. The differences um, between um, the way... uh, When I went to school, I'll admit this, in the 1960s, my classroom probably looked an awful lot like the schoolroom that my parents uh, were sitting in in the 1930s. Anyone who walks into a, into a classroom today knows how different the world is. Yeah. Um, and this affects our, our, our kids, and it affects the way they think, it affects the way they perceive themselves. Um, although, in theory, this should probably encourage a kid to know about the separation wall. In theory, a, child, a young person should be more ex- exposed to more things, and more knowledgeable, and more aware than when uh, we grew up in bubbles. But that's not always the way it works. They don't, kids don't always look for the most valuable right. uh, the way of using these kind of resources. Um, uh, the question, uh, uh, here is the responsibility of the Mechanech to be aware of this, um, both in the United States and in Israel, and uh, to respond according to the needs of, of students today. Um, it means that um, let's just think of the potential of a a, a machane, again, whether it's in Israel or in the United States, to stay in touch with their students after they left their classrooms. Okay. Once upon a time, you know, how much could you stay in touch, right? You know, today, well, if you're on Facebook, then. The, the, the potential for you to stay in touch with your students and to follow them and to, to, to allow them to know that you're there for them even after they leave your class is, is, is tremendous. Um, you know, the, 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 the potential to keep, um, um, if you have a particularly good group of students in, in the yeshiva in Israel, right? And they, they, The kids yeah. really connected and they really became a, a, a positive force on one another. These are things that even after they leave and they go off to their different to their different colleges and universities, you can keep that kind of group going. Um, so the, a lot of these kind of things are things that that educators can and should use. Yeah. Um, does the does the experience in Israel change? Yes, but our job now is to make use of those changes in order
0: in mm-hmm. well, positive and po- and kinds of ways. Let me ask you, one of the things that you know we discovered, not surprisingly, is that the year in Israel, historically, has been a very powerful force in promoting Zionism. Mm-hmm. Promoting Aliyah, as well as promoting Zionism to I'll, larger, I'll, larger goals.
1: I will tell you that, that as a Yeshivat Haratzion alum, um, my son, who is going to Hezder, you're not going on one year Israel your program, right. you're going to we'll, we'll in and we attend the Haaretz next year, and uh, we, get, we got a letter in the mail from the yeshiva, and one of the things they talked about is, they said, by the way, we have a chutznik program, we have a program for B'nai Chutzlaret, uh-huh. and this is a very important program, and you should know that all of the students that we have had go through our chutznik program, Fully 25% now live in Israel.
0: Uh, so it's, uh, I wonder what the statistics are for uh, for a, a young man or a young woman who goes to a Yeshiva or a or a program which is not integrated into in a larger Hesda or larger Israeli. Uh, where there is that interaction. Do you, I mean we I, I don't statistics, know statistics, but what are you guessing in terms of the effectiveness of oh, forget Aliyah for a second of just simply promoting what we would call good old-fashioned Zionist values? Um, I
1: I think that here um, there are going to be differences between programs. I will mention one because it doesn't exist anymore and therefore no one can accuse me of... of, you know, When I came to Israel, I taught in BMT. BMT ran a Zionist program. I mean, those kids... People joke that it was the best meal in town. It was American. Those kids were fed as... uh, They had... All, all these Merkaznikim teaching there, they were fed a serious Zionist line. That's going to be different than a kid who goes to a program where, you know, what they th- Tell you and, and always, other Dera Machim should come to Israel to learn Torah because Israel is a place to learn Torah. But um, when they, um, you know, but for whom Yom Hatsmoed doesn't mean um, um, celebrating um, the the miracle of Israel's and um, the modern Israel's independence, but it means having a barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there you're going to have different different. Um, uh, you're you're going to have different things depending on. Um, on uh, the core values that these yeshiva represent, One of my messages to parents and I think this is true for Mecham too, is that in, in choosing a place, in choosing a, a place to study in Israel um, you have to find a place
0: that shares your core values if you find such a place, so then that works if you. That makes you a, a larger or methodological question we talked a little earlier before we started our, our recording session about um, research in Jewish education and uh, um, you know its, its, its value, its contribution to practice. So here's a book, um, it, it, it's, it's eclectic in the sense that there are three freestanding pieces that are put together under one, uh, one umbrella, but it's from the world of research, psychological research, sociological research, research and education. How should a teacher, imagine I'm a teacher in an American high school uh, maybe I'm, I'm in charge of Israel guidance, or imagine I'm a teacher here in a in a midrashah or in a yeshiva. What ought I be getting out of my reading of a book like this? What what is the value of of you know looking to the world of research on my practice? How how might or how ought it affect me? What kind of questions should I be asking about what I'm doing as I'm reading this? Um, I think that there's a big picture um, perspective
1: and then you have smaller pictures. Um, As far as the big picture perspective is concerned, I think that uh, everyone probably wonders whether people have a sense of the importance of what they're doing. Um, It's always good to have somebody come along and, uh, and actually crunch the numbers or interview the students uh, something that I think that the kind of, of of feedback or evaluation that I think that most educate uh, most Jewish educational programs do poorly. Um, it's important that somebody does that on occasion, um, and whether that um, it assures me that, that that what I'm doing is is important and useful, or whether that raises questions about it, that should be um, uh, I, I think an important. Uh, uh, just of interest to people in the field, uh, perhaps it should drive people to do their own research. Um, as far as if if a if a if a teacher has certain messages that are um, really uh, the main messages he or she wants to get across, so then at some point it might make sense to you know ask, find some way to ask students whether they're doing that. Um, with regard to my research specifically. Um, Something actually happened because of my research. When I first, when this first came out as a, as a doctoral dissertation, the part that that people were um, fascinated by and something were very upset by was one particular finding that I had that while Ben Adam la Makom. Um, uh, Changed, um, improved. I mean, you know, as, I said, as a, as a yeah, uh, researcher I'm not supposed to, to talk judge- about. It. <laughs> it be, we don't want to use judgment words, yeah. but uh, um, stricter observance of ritual <laughs> practice, right? Uh, While well, that took place, with regard to you name it, you know, Birkat Hamazon and 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 uh, when it came to questions like, you know, are you more sensitive to the needs of an elderly person? Are you more honest in your and will you do you anticipate being honest in your business practices or in or in school? So there was no change. They didn't get worse, but there was no change. And this actually drove something of a discussion afterward. after it was published um, um, that perhaps greater emphasis should be put on these things. I, I certainly can't credit my work, but today... Um, In in Israeli, one-year Israel programs, today there is much greater sensitivity to issues of of, chesed, uh, um, something that that I certainly can't take credit for, but something that I think is very important, um, are in at least two institutions, in men's and women's institutions, that now have yachad programs, programs for kids with special needs. Which, by the way, isn't
0: just good for but the kids both, with special needs. Both age. Developmentally, developmentally disabled as well as learning disabilities. Yes. But it's not only good for those kids. It's,
1: yeah, it's good for I the mean. entire... It means that it changes the face of an institution where where kids all of a sudden... When I, when I raise this issue with my students, after we find them, and I share with my students, so one of the, my students raised her hand and said, Well, Rabbi, what do you expect? At home... I have to help. I have to help with my kid's sister. I have to help my mother. He, this is a year about me. And all of a sudden, it's a year that's not only about you, which I think that as Anshei Chinuch is a really, really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as you go through through, through various findings, sometimes you, you you hear certain things that you say in Dan Jacobson's where the kids talk about the kind of experiences they have. Now, not at the old question, whether you're comfortable um, uh, being a person who really uh, makes um, a, a student make a, li- a, a life change decision when they are um, an impressionable young person away from home. You know, if that's the kind of you know, if you're a mechanic that sees that as your goal, so that might be very reassuring. If you're someone who is uh, uh, the, the, every, every I, I think that every educator can walk away from a study like this um, learning certain things, raising questions about their own practice, and perhaps um, helping them make decisions
0: in the future. One last question, or maybe two related questions. Uh, you've, you've hinted that uh, you know when the research grant comes through, there's, there's yet more work <laughs> to be done. Of course, your doctoral dissertation, which you know is being published now in the book, but which was finished X number of years ago. Yeah, on the research, research that was years that you've years done. years so ago? The research was about, about ten right. years ago. Um, but what? And it was pioneering; in other words, no one else had right. had uh, had explored these issues. But what do we still not know about the year in Israel? What what are the questions that are still out there? And my mm-hmm. question is: if the uh, I didn't want to discuss the the jacket cover or the title, <laughs> uh, which I, I you know I know very well that you know sometimes publishers uh, make choices because people do judge books by the cover. Uh, although we would hope that. People won't judge the book by <laughs> by this cover. Um, uh, the the kind of the uh, the slogan of flipping out. Did mm-hmm. the kid flip out? He went to Israel. Did he flip out? The the other kind of slogan you sometimes hear um, is the rubber band effect. Mm -hmm. And if they, in fact, did flip out in Israel, you know, they went back to America, they went back to, whether it was they went back to University of Pennsylvania, or they went back to uh, Queens College, or to Yeshiva University, or to whatever it is, the rubber band effect, they they bounced back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, more or less, probably there was a net gain in those indicators that one looks, that a sociologist looks for in the study. But in fact, over time, do, you, um, do we have any sense? Okay, of that? so I'll, I'll try to to,
1: to respond. we to the second question first. Um, what you call the rubber band effect is what I would call you know, finding equilibrium, um, which might be a very positive thing. Okay. Uh, I think that it's the flip side of flipping out, uh, and um, I uh, my study was not longitudinal enough for me to uh, to be able to give you numbers on this, but anecdotally, I think that. Um, Many, many of the students who are perceived as having flipped out at the beginning, at some point, reach equilibrium. Um, I guess, yeah, we should tell an anecdote. Um, I taught in Bedresh Lindenbaum, a a women's program that is known uh, for, was known for many years for its pioneering work after Rabbi Bravender Star, we can put an A plug for Rabbi Bravinder on here on on Atid. In fact, it's called by many people to this day, colloquially, Bravindis. Yeah. And um, it is known for his pioneering work, which was really Rabbi Bravindis' work in, in teaching women Talmud in a serious kind of way. And um, for a variety of reasons, there's a, um, a people, uh, there, it has a reputation of a place that the girls afterwards have trouble finding Shidduchim because you know they've learned Gemara. And the ones this topic came up in the class, and I happened to have had a student sitting there who was a college graduate. She would come to the school. She's she had never older. done. She was a little older. And she had so I said, Michelle, what do you have to say about this? And she said, you know, it's true. When you first come back, none of the guys want to date you because you went to Brabenders. But four years later, when they're ready to get married, you're the girls they're going to be looking for. So there is, of course, there's a, you know, there's a certain, you know, the key tone of the codiford to that story, of course, is that you were the shotgun for a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true, <laughs> to a close friend of yours. But, uh, um, uh, so, I don't, uh, the, what, what you call the rubber band, I think like this is something that I'm disturbed, by. I yeah. think that it's, that, that it's a healthy thing. I, um, I think that kids, certainly, when they're 18 and 19, and this is more the psychologist's realm than it is mine, um, are searching for... Uh, separation from their parents and creating the, their own identity and whatnot, and very often at that particular point they will they will you know, make certain choices that are radical. And assume that they're that they are in healthy environments, when they come back at some point, those uh, the more uh, the more radical elements of that um, become um, you know uh, become more attuned to 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 um, the reality. Uh, as The other question was, uh, what else don't we know? Uh, what should we be studying? So first of all, there is right now, today, as we speak, there is a very serious um, a study being um, uh, being put together by uh, David Palkowitz and the faculty of the Israeli Graduate School and University, and we sat and talked when I was in the state last time about his work. And he's really, um, he comes also from a psychology background, but he's taking, a, a, what he's doing is something that neither neither I nor uh, Dan Jacobson did. He is taking um, uh, several standardized <coughs> um, psychological instruments, um, uh, studying um, attitudes and mental health, and he's been giving them to students before the year and after. Um, so on that level, we can anticipate. Not only do we need to know it, but we can anticipate that there is going to uh, to uh, to be a study coming out that's going to examine a wide range of of effects of the year. Um, I, I think that there's still a lot of questions about. Um, some of the larger picture questions uh, I asked the, 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 I, I asked about individual attitudes and behaviors and then tried to to build on that um, I think that that uh, some of the questions that um, uh, for example Sam heilman's questions about how does this affect the whole community are things that haven't been studied in a Um, in a, uh, certainly in a rigorous kind of way, and we can all throw around our our own theories about it. Um, uh, And uh, I think that some of these things should impact on the way mechanic can think about these things. Uh, You know, a a good mechanic doesn't only worry about what's going on in their classroom and in in their local school, but about the community at large. And... Um, the these ex- the experiences in Israel are are significant enough that I think a serious person should um, continuously be thinking. Where should I be sending my my? my you know, you raised the issue of are there differences between um, more Israeli programs and not a, a teacher who's making who or an Israel advisor who's making these decisions um, uh, has to think sometimes beyond themselves and their own. Predilections for one or the other about what's going to be good for students and then, in the long run, where we want our community to be as far as um, some of those kind of questions. And for educators in Israel, you know, this is, uh, you know, recognize the impact that you can have on these students means uh,
0: recognize the responsibility that comes with it. The book is Flipping Out, Myth or Fact, the Impact of the Year in Israel by Shalom Berger, Daniel Jacobson, and Chaim Waxman. Uh, We've been talking with Rabbi Dr. Shalom Berger. Rabbi Berger is a faculty member of the Lukstein Center for Jewish Education at Ilan University, where he is the the intrepid moderator of the very uh, important Lukjed email discussion list um, for Jewish educators. If you are listening to this program and you're not subscribing yet, Look Jed you really ought to and you can do that by by going
1: to www.lookstein.org, and there on the front page it says site registration and you click on it and you can sign up discussions aren't only about one your Israel program so that comes up on occasion they run for, range anywhere from um, policies on peanut butter in your school <laughs> <laughs> from the ridiculous to
0: the sublime <laughs> um, thank and, you very much uh, yeah. that might be a topic of another uh, Another interesting conversation, the impact of, uh, of LookJed in forming a community of, of Jewish educators worldwide over these past 10, we, we ten years. We actually have, have we, we've done some work of that. And okay, perhaps we'll, come look, look forward to that discussion uh, in one form or another. Uh, thanks for listening and we hope to be back with you in about a month with another book club podcast.